have a question for you as we lead into our theme today, and that is, do you generally tend to be an optimist or a pessimist? Is the glass for you usually half full or half empty? If you are outside in the morning, maybe getting a walk or a jog, are you like, hey, I still have one lap to go? Or are you, I already have seven behind me? Or if you're on a trip, are you like, oh man, how much longer? This is taking forever. Or are you, man, we have made some really good progress already. This is great. Do you tend to be an optimist or a pessimist? And even more so, how about when you pray? Are you a pessimist? Sometimes do you think of your own prayer as a wish? Or is it filled with doubts? Is God really going to hear me? Does he really care? Is he tired of hearing this prayer request? Am I using the right words? Or maybe you're thinking, well, well, I guess it can't hurt to throw up a prayer. Or, you know, all we can do is pray. Or when you pray, are you a fervent optimist? That this is a live conversation with the living God of the universe. And I know he loves me. And he hears and he answers according to his gracious will every single time. We're going to talk about that today, praying. And as we get, I want to look at these verses from our text one more time. But as we do, I want you to just throw this question out there as we're reading through this. Does anything stand out to you about what we are going to read? So pay careful attention, look closely as we read these words of James again. And does something stand out to you? James says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And faith's prayer will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And in prayer, he prayed that it might not rain. And for three and a half years, it didn't. Then he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Anything, just grab your attention or stand out as we were going through these words of James. Let me add a little more color to this. What do you notice? Pray. Eight times in six verses, James is inviting us to pray. Pray, 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 pray. He mentions it in every single verse. Randy, pray. All of his children, pray. And as we break this down a little bit more, I think we can divide verses 13 and 14 there into a challenge to pray expectantly. 
Randy, when you pray to me, do you pray expectantly? Right? Is there anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. That's for each one of us. Are you suffering? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Sing. Is anyone sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. There's expectancy here. Prayer changes things. Because when we pray, we invite divine power and will to invade our temporary affairs. Prayer invites the divine power and will on the temporal affairs. And it works. In fact, if you notice something neat as you're looking at the whole book, James is wrapping up his epistle exactly how he began. The beginning, he starts off, hey, if any of you need wisdom for anything in your life right now, do what? Pray. Ask God in faith with no doubting. Because one who doubts is like a wave on Lake Michigan that's just tossed and driven by the wind. That person not supposed he's going to receive anything from the Lord. Praying with faith and not doubting is expectant praying. He even says, if someone's sick, you can even anoint them with oil as you pray. Now, this anointing with oil isn't sacramental. It's not magical or mystical. It doesn't replace doctors or medicine. It doesn't have any kind of potion or some kind of incantation. But what also gives anointing its power? Prayer in the name of the Lord. I looked this week just to see what context in the name of the Lord is used for elsewhere in the New Testament. It's amazing. Look at this. We are told to pray in the name of the Lord. We are told that salvation is there for those who call on the name of the Lord. We are called to baptize in the name of the Lord. Preach the word in the name of the Lord. There's exorcism in the name of the Lord. There is healing in the name of the Lord. There's forgiveness of all of our sins in the name of the Lord. Christian assembly like we are doing now, the Bible exhorts us to do it in the name of the Lord. And here in James chapter 5, it's anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. There's power in that name, isn't there? And it's the power that you have because you have the name of God on you. You were baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so you wield the power of that name. And because prayer is in the name of the Lord... James then talks about its efficacy. He continues in verse 15, when you pray, when you anoint with oil in the name of the Lord, faith's prayer will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. Maybe it's physically from their sick bed. I have seen that happen before in ministry, but it's all under the will of God. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's a little bit of both or even mental healing. 
But whether the Lord raises that sick Christian up on their sickbed or on the last day when Jesus comes back, it's efficacious. Your prayer works. And notice also how he connects prayer as the channel through which forgiveness and healing come. He continues, if that person has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And I want to pay special attention to verse 16. Would you read that together with me? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Are you a righteous person? Because if you're righteous, what's the promise? Your prayer has what? Great power. Are you a righteous person? Well, the Bible gives us an answer. Paul says in Romans 3, the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. How many of you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Through your faith in Jesus Christ, your prayer is what? Powerful. Because you are perfectly righteous and holy in God's sight. So don't think that somehow, as a pastor or whatever, our prayers fly first class to God while yours fly coach. If you are a righteous person, the righteous person, their prayer has great power as it is working. And that power is there for all who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I remember one of the times that God really showed me the efficacy of prayer. I was a new pastor in western New York, Buffalo area. I was there at this congregation for 10 years right out of the seminary, and when I first got to this congregation, uh, it was needing an update. We'll say that. Uh, the facilities, we had one building in the shape of an L, and everything happened in that little space, and it was an absolute cluttered mess. Uh, I'm serious. And they were in a building project that blew up under the previous pastor, uh, and they had paid like $70,000 for blueprints that they weren't even going to work anymore. Uh, and it was just stuck. And as I got there, I couldn't help but notice right next door was an acre of land and a two-story office building for sale. And come to find out, it had been for sale for about three years, and they never looked at it. Uh, and so I remember going over to that property and just walking around the building saying, God, we need this property. We need this space for our youth group, for our Sunday school, for our mothers of preschool ministry, for our women's weekly Bible study. God, we need space. And so I called the, the realtor and, and had them come out and got some influential people from the building committee, and, and God just started to line up the ducks. And out of nowhere... A family came to the church and asked us to baptize their children. He was an architect. And he said, you know, we could use an architect now. And he goes, okay, I'll do it for free. I'll do all your renovation plans inside of it for free. And then God raised up a general contractor in the congregation who stepped forward and said, and I'll do all of that. 
And so in a matter of a few months, we had this beautifully renovated, inside and out, two-story building. The town gave us a beautification award. That's how much it needed some work. And it was just this amazing launch pad for the ministry that God had in store. And that's where he really first started to form on me. Randy, would you just pray? Pray. Right? In the name of my son, when we go to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, prayer changes things, especially changes lives. If we are still a little hesitant, James gives us one final example in his letter. He has held before us Abraham. He has held before us Rahab. He has held before us the prophets. Last week, he held before us Job and his patient endurance. Today, in his last section here, he holds up to us Elijah. And he says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed that it might not rain, and for three and a half years, it did not rain. And then Elijah prayed again, and the heaven gave forth its rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Who was Elijah? What does it say? He was a man with a nature just like us. When we look at his story in 1 Kings, there was a time in his life when he ran away because he was scared. He actually asked God to take his life. He despaired of his life. And he was filled with all sorts of doubts. He was anything but perfect. And yet when he prayed, God turned off the faucet for three and a half years. And when he prayed again, God turned it back on because he was in a confrontation with Israel and evil King Ahab because of their gross idolatry. But the highlight here is he was a man just like us. Elijah was nothing special. He was not an avenger. He did not have a cape. But he believed and loved and worshipped the same exact God that we do. And praying in his name, Man, was it efficacious. And man, did he pray expectantly. And James is saying, we can all, as children of God, pray exactly like Elijah did. Because we pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I want us to think about that today. Think about the power of prayer and what it can do in your own walk with God right now. And not just about us, but think also what prayer can do in the life of somebody else. Maybe it's sickness of some kind or suffering or hardship going on at home, or maybe it's this person still needs Jesus. You have the efficacy of prayer in your arsenal, and we can pray because of that, expectantly. So as we hear this word of God and do what it says, I have a couple questions for us to just meditate on this morning. We'll take a couple 
seconds and talk about this with each other. Or maybe I just invite you into a time of prayer while we do this. But first, whether you are five years old or 85 years old, is God calling you to raise your expectation of prayer? And secondly, what is your most urgent plea to God right now? But not just for ourselves, also including someone else. What is your most urgent prayer for someone that's just on your heart? Go ahead, talk about those right now with those you're worshiping with, and then maybe even just use a few seconds to go to heaven itself and give that to God expectantly and believe its efficacy. Let's talk.